0: Welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now. I'm Jake Novak here on the Nachum Siegel Network, and I'm going to try to do something different today, Uh, being that we're in between all these holidays and not a lot of opportunities to do as many programs as usual, as many shows as usual. So I'm going to try to do some rapid-fire issues. Uh, Those of you who listen to Novak Now regularly know that I usually only get to about two or three topics in the half hour, if that. Um, And that's fine. By the way, if you listen to Big time radio talk radio uh, talk radio hosts, the uh, Rush Limbaugh's, the Mark Levin types, and stuff. They usually do about one topic per half hour. Uh, that's how it works. Plus, I don't have the uh, breaks that they get for the uh, the news updates and things like that. So, um, I'm, I'm basically working on the same kind of timetable they are. But I wanted to get to try to try to get to more than just a, a couple of topics today. Again, not only because we're going to have a lot of preemptions because of the um, the chagim. But also because uh, it's, uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I, I, many of you tune into this program and, and log on to this program regularly for some commentary and analysis of what's going on in Israel politically or economically. Uh, and uh, so I want to start with that. And obviously, we still remain at this election impasse. We've had the election a few weeks ago, and we still don't have a government or anything close to a coalition being formed. Um, Again, the final results, the Blue and White Party got the most votes of any one particular party, got more than any, I should say, got more than any other party. They got 32 seats in the Knesset. The currently ruling Likud Party in the government, which is going to be outgoing, has 31. So it was a 32 to 31, basically a tie, but, you know, got to give the, tip your cap to the Blue and White Party that got a few more votes than last time. And all the other kind of parties still ending up in the same sort of configuration and the Israel Beitena party which got three more seats than last time now at 8 still not showing any interest in joining in a real coalition with Likud and even if they joined with blue and white blue and white wouldn't have enough to form a coalition because overall the right wing parties got most of the votes so that's where we are still we're at this impasse and of course the big cloud that makes it really hard for Likud to make a deal with anybody. I mean, Likud, clearly Benjamin Netanyahu, the current prime minister, wants to make a deal with blue and white to form a national unity government. It's clear to me he's willing to be prime minister for the first two years of that kind of an arrangement and then step down, which I think, and you've heard me say here on Novak Now, that's really the best solution to Israel's issues right now because the blue and white party exists only to oust Netanyahu. But the reason why the Blue and Party won't take that deal is not just because they're impatient, not just because they don't want to wait two years for Netanyahu to, to step down, which is a big problem for them. They, they don't want to wait. But they also feel that the looming indictment, and I do believe that Netanyahu will be officially indicted. I mean, he has not officially been indicted yet, by the way. For those people who say he is indicted, make sure that you're fact-checking yourself. That's not true. Um, the Attorney General of, of, of Israel has said he intends to indict him. And I do believe he will, so it's not 100% factually wrong, but it it is factually wrong at this point in time to say that Prime Minister Netanyahu has been indicted on corruption or bribery charges. Uh, And they're having these pre-indictment hearings right now, uh, even as the coalition talks or whatever semblance of those talks is going on. So they're having these these pre-trial hearings right now in Israel, and Netanyahu's lawyers are trying to get the, the indictment shelved, or have the Prime Minister charged with something a little bit less, a a smaller charge, a lesser charge. And you know, listen, you you don't know how much you can trust the reports coming out of these hearings and reports that presume to say what's inside the minds of the prosecutors, but apparently, according to those reports, the prosecutors aren't backing down and they still intend to indict uh, Netanyahu on all the serious charges. So, of course, that's making it very hard for Likud to make a deal with Blue and White, because Blue and White looks at those stories and says, well, maybe we can just wait till there's an indictment. And then either Netanyahu will step down on his own, or he'll be much more willing to allow somebody else in Likud to represent him. And that way, they can claim an immediate victory, and not have to wait two years for Netanyahu to step down. I think relying on the courts and relying on these charges and what, from what I know of the charges, I think that they are very murky and very cloudy and probably uh, again, unless something else is really revealed, probably unfair and not enough to remove someone who has been elected so many times to be the Prime Minister of Israel. Um, but I, I, I think that they, that relying on that is really not very politically forthcoming and honest on behalf of Blue and White. I think they're looking for an outside factor to to, to knock out an opponent as opposed to trying to debate him or, or in this case negotiate with him directly, and that leads me to what I want to wrap up on this so again it 's it's, it's just it 's in limbo and it 'll be in limbo after yom kippur and and so there's you know we, we can continue to go back and forth on what might happen but i 'd rather spend just another moment on this and talk about what this really teaches us about the way people vote you, 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 there are clearly cultural differences in some of the democratic traditions in different democratic countries around the world obviously people do things a little bit differently from country to country to country in the democratic countries of course i'm not i'm not talking about countries that don't have democratic elections but one thing that this ele- israeli election impasse and everything that's been going on there should really teach almost all of us is that even in countries that are parliamentary democracies where it's supposed to be about the party, where it's supposed to be about the policies, where it's supposed to be about maybe even a political culture of a particular party. It still ends up being, we humans have a very hard time voting on anything other than the personal connection or lack thereof we have with an individual candidate in the case of a parliamentary democracy, the leader of a party. So again, you've heard me say this before when I talk about the US elections. I don't care how educated a person is, I don't care how air you die he or she is, When they come to you and tell you, I voted for candidate X because of this, because of all these um, policy reasons, because of all this experience that that person had, because of all these data points, don't believe them. That is not how human beings, no matter how educated and sophisticated we are, that is not how we vote. We get a personal connection or lack thereof or a personal dislike of a candidate within the first five to ten minutes that we hear he he or she talk and, and see them in public or on TV or on the internet that's how it works that's how human that's how the human brain works whether you're einstein or whether you're someone who has absolutely no strong mental capacity that's the way it works that's the way it works for all of us and for those of you who are listening who are highly educated and think you're really 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 smart you might be all those things but (laughs) you have to understand that you're still human and that's the way we work so And this just goes to show that even in a parliamentary democracy like Israel, and I think this is true in Britain, and I think it's true in France, I think it's true in all the countries where they have parliaments. Although in France, they also vote directly for president, so they might actually be onto something there, a little bit smarter there in those kinds of countries. But honestly, I I think that it just goes to show that no matter how much we think we can divide a country based on different party loyalties and things like that, We we still vote for individuals and the way that we respond to individuals. Now, if you are a staunch leftist, the chances of someone from the far right or from the regular right coming at you and really winning you over are are smaller. So yes, there are some policy factors involved. But it can happen. And if you don't think that's true, just note that there were a good number of people who voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012 who voted for Donald Trump in 2016. So you have to understand that clearly, it isn't just all about policy with us. I don't think it's very much about policy. I think, I'm very interested in policy, talking about it and writing about it, but I have come to terms with the fact that I probably vote for individual candidates in every election, every major election, based on how I perceive personally that candidate, whether I like him or her, or want to hear more from him or her. I don't know if I should be super ashamed of that, but I'm certainly willing to admit it, and I think it is something of a failing that we have as human beings. But then again, maybe the big failure is that we, having, we have human beings making too many decisions for us in the first place as opposed to making our own decisions. That's a whole different kind of political theory argument to have. But again, even in Israel where it's so clear this, these, these elections have been about Netanyahu, a, a, an up or down vote on Netanyahu. You have an entire party in Israel now that is basically, basically about getting rid of Netanyahu. That's really their only policy. The Blue and White Party. And that is why we can't get a coalition right now. We can't have a government in Israel right now because that party is paralyzed by the tantalizing possibility of an indictment taking Netanyahu down. And that seems to be looming within a month or so. So they're just going to wait. And if that forces new elections, so be it. They don't care. That's their entire mandate. So they are trying to represent an entire segment of the Israeli population that was worth 32 seats in in, in the Knesset based on this alone, based on just thinking, let's just get rid of Netanyahu. Forget all the other policies. Because frankly, the blue and white and Likud's policies, as far as we know, are not really that different other than the, the aspect of, of, of Netanyahu. So it's an important thing to remember about elections and how we choose people, even in a parliamentary de- democracy. It is very, about, very much about the personal. It's something that I learned in news, by the way. Television news is the same way. And newspaper news to, the same, to a certain degree as well. We make stories, and we can talk about policies all the want. I can talk about the environment. I can talk about foreign policy but ultimately for a story to really quote sell and for people to click on it on the internet and for it to get out there to a lot of people it's got to be personalized and this is frustrating to me because sometimes it goes beyond that especially in financial news when we're talking about an entire company you know i talk about we'll talk about apple all the time in business news but you'll notice that the stories that do well the stories that capture your attention are probably the ones that have tim cook in the headline we can talk about facebook all we want and all their policies, but we, if we don't put Mark Zuckerberg's face and his name in the headline, it probably won't get clicked on. Now a lot of times that's justified because it's an individual policy that Cook or Zuckerberg has pushed at Apple and Facebook respectively. But understand that we need to personalize stories in the news business to get your attention. Especially when it's about a financial big, big corporation with thousands of employees. But when we're studying it in a business school, or we're really trying to figure out what's going on in a business, we can't just say, oh, well, this is what this guy thought at that moment, and it's his personality. I mean, that, That's not gonna teach you anything about making money. So it's, it's, it's a failing of our politics, it's a failing of our journalism, and it's one of the reasons why they work so well together. Journalism encourages that personalizing of politics, of making it about the person, and the way they look, and the way they sound, and their personal background and whatever thing they may have said or done in the past. And politics is, is, feeds into that as well, because we vote for the person. We just do. It's the way we are, no matter what we think, how, how highly we think of ourselves. Um, sticking in Israel just for a second, I want to talk about two good news stories out of Israel, one that's very good, and one I think is kind of one that we can chuckle about. The tourism numbers are out. You know, Israel light loves to... The Israeli news media loves to look at the tourism numbers. Uh, You have an entire generation of Israelis who grew up, maybe even two or three generations, who grew up believing and thinking of Israel as this isolated island. This island that was, even though it's not an island, (laughs) in a geographic sense, thinking of it as just being isolated. So when Israel makes trade deals, when Israel makes um, other kinds of connections with other countries, it's it's still big news in Israel. Uh, It kind of legitimates so much that's going on. And so the uh, news that Israel's tourism numbers in September hit a new record uh, is is something that Israelis are talking about. And Israel now is on pace to break last year's yearly record that was set in 2018 for tourists coming into the country. So that's uh, just more signs that Israel is becoming a more and more popular tourist attraction. I think that there's a number of reasons why, I think not the least bit, that the U.S. Christian evangelical tourism interest in Israel has continued to grow to a point now where it is just so very common to see large numbers of American Christian tourists in Israel at any given time. So I think that that's one big reason. But I'm open for uh, uh, some other information on that. I'd love to hear about why some other people from other countries, not just the United States, are coming to Israel. And I'm going to spend some time looking for some other reasons in the coming months. And for those of you who are listening to this who know, I'd love to hear from you. The other good story, and again, we're doing rapid fire topics today on Novak Now here on the Malcolm Siegel Network, not just my usual two or three topics. Hoping to get to a lot of topics today. The the, the third topic I want to talk about very, very briefly is uh, Senator Bernie Sanders and his heart attack. And uh, it was a heart attack, by the way, something that uh, some of us in the newsroom when we saw this story coming out at the end of last week, we knew immediately it was a heart attack. When you have chest pains and they rush you to the hospital and then they give you an operation, which is what happened to Bernie Sanders, that's a heart attack. So, of course, it came out a few days later they're officially calling it a heart attack, so that's good just for those of us who want to be medically or scientifically accurate. We don't want science deniers out there. You know who you are. Um, uh, That's sort of an inside joke because so many of the people who Like to berate global warming skeptics or people who don't think that global warming is going to destroy the whole world in 10 years. They like to be, you know, they like to call them science deniers, but those same people are the ones who like to deny science on so many other levels. So uh, let's not be science deniers. Bernie Sanders had officially a heart attack. Um, On the program that I uh, produce at uh, I 24 News, we were able to get one of the top cardiologists in all of New York City to come on the air that night which was great it was just a serendipitous we were able to get him to come on and he very blatantly said i and he i have no idea what his politics are and it had nothing to do with his politics this guy was just made a very strong case based on his incredible experience as a cardiologist and he just said flat out bernie sanders should drop out of the presidential race uh he said someone a 78 year old man who's had stents put into his heart um who's had uh who has this kind of a you know the the, the campaign schedule that these people run and again the presidential campaigns have been extended by basically a year running for president used to be sort of like a six-month thing um now, you know say about about a nine-month thing it used to be something that you would do you would go into full campaign mode from january of the election year and if you made it all the way as a nominee all, th- through november so let's say 11 months let's say 11 months well, now, I mean, this, this presidential election and the campaign for the Democrats has been going on since January of this year. So we're really talking about almost a two-year, uh, certainly a, 23, you know, a 23-month kind of ordeal. So this cardiologist comes on and says, look, Bernie Sanders has got to drop out. You, 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 first of all, taking a lot of airline flights when you're, in that kind of a, you know, when you're recovering from that kind of a heart condition, he, he mentioned that was a particular risk. And he said, if you if were my patient, I'd tell him to drop out. But... The little chuckle that I get out of the story is that the sense that the, the, the more modern and more effective stents that were put in, inside of Bernie Sanders were developed in Israel. So here's a guy who's probably, of all the candidates running for president right now, and sadly there, there are a lot of Democrats who fit in this category, who are critical of Israel. And there are a lot of Democrats who've decided to be critical of Israel: Beto O'Rourke, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has been very critical of Israel in the past, and they all use those loaded and, and and dishonest terms like occupation, and they all put the all you know. And again, you never hear them put any 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 responsibility or pressure on the Palestinians. It's always the Israelis who are the ones who need to make the step for peace, which is again a lie and a falsehood, and it's just outrageous uh, based on all the facts in history. But Bernie Sanders is probably the most consistently critical of Israel. He has the support of anti-Israel. Activist Linda Sarsour. So the little chuckle some of us got was that you know maybe Linda Sarsour has to rescind her endorsement of Bernie Sanders now that he has Israeli technology uh, keeping him alive. Uh, Obviously, we don't. I I know there are some people who like to go on the internet and like to go on social media and say, hey, if you boycott Israel, you should not get all these Israeli innovations. I would just say, I would say something similar, but not the same thing. I wouldn't say you shouldn't get it and we should let you suffer or whatever. I, I, that I'm not saying, but I am saying those people who are getting that kind of technology, who are, that the Israeli technology and innovations are improving their lives, they should acknowledge that, even as they say Israel is a bad country and attack Israel. They should be forced to acknowledge that, yeah, when it comes down to it, I'll take uh, Israeli technology and stuff. And, and maybe they should say, maybe I should go learn more about Israel before I bash them considering they're saving my life. Or making my life better, or helping my business. So, just a little chuckle out of that, because again, it's like, should should Bernie Sanders uh, make some kind of a, a notification or acknowledgement to to Israel about how uh, these stents have basically saved his life? I doubt it. We're not going to hear that from him. Um, but interesting that he uh, had this heart issue. And a lot of people think that this should help people like Elizabeth Warren, who have a lot of the same policies and and appeal to a lot of the same people as Bernie Sanders does. Um, But we'll see. Elizabeth Warren has had a hard time, in my opinion, in the last three or four weeks, taking advantage of some very big gifts that have been given to her in this election. Uh, she has usually speaks very forcefully and very provocatively about issues, but when put on the spot to talk about, for example, would taxes need to be increased on the middle class to pay for her Medicare for All plan, she wouldn't give a straight answer over and over again, which is a real mistake because right now in the Democratic primary part of this election, which we're heading into and we're really, really just focusing on that right now if you're a Democrat candidate, you're not worried so much about conservatives and moderates right now. You're trying to get the Democrat votes to win in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina and other places like that. If, if Elizabeth Warren had said something along the lines of, heck yeah, we're going to have to raise taxes just a little bit to pay for these healthcare costs, which are a lot more than taxes for a lot of people, I think it would have helped her. But instead, she wouldn't answer the question. And then when you had this Ukraine controversy coming over with the President Trump's call and with Joe Biden and his son and, and whatever dealings they had with Ukraine... And she's rolling out, she's literally rolling out a government anti-corruption plan that she really wants to make a big part of her campaign and a big part of her appeal to Democrats. And she's asked on the spot at the same time that she's rolling this out, hey, would what Vice President Biden did when he was vice president, when he was vice president in Ukraine and the way that his son was, would would you allow his son to do businesses in, in foreign countries and make major, major millions of dollars with foreign countries while while his father is vice president and making dealings with these countries on foreign policy, and she wouldn't answer the question. She said, oh, I have to look at my plan. (laughs) So she doesn't even know enough about her own plan that she's rolling out and trying to make people really look at and, and see as a reason to vote for her. She doesn't apparently know enough. I don't buy that. I don't buy that she doesn't know enough about her plan. I think that she just doesn't want to say she's worried that she's going to be attacked for attacking Joe Biden. Well, listen, if she really wants to be president, and, and before that, if she really wants to be the nominee for the Democrats, she's going to have to get a little bit more of a killer instinct. Instinct. That's going to be necessary. And the Democrats have plenty of killer instincts when it comes to bashing Donald Trump, but they don't seem to have any other interest in going after anything else. And the one who, the candidate, the Democrat candidate who's really willing to do that and really steps out from the shadows and really goes after their opponents, and for a number of reasons, is the one that will probably win the nomination. And right now, Elizabeth Warren has fumbled a couple of opportunities to to be more definitive in that way. And um, she needs a new campaign manager, very simply put, or she needs to get out, or she needs to realize that that's really not what she wants to do. Uh, I want to try to get to a couple more topics. Again, this is a rapid fire edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network, where I usually do only about two or three topics, three tops per the half hour. But I want to try to get to more because we have the... The holidays coming, in, more and more of the holidays coming up, we're on the eve of Yom Kippur, and of course we have Sukkot and, and Sabchat Torah and all the other things coming out, so I want to try to get to more topics because we'll have some show preemptions in the coming weeks. Um, there is a percolating issue that is very important to me and I think should be important to folks who are listening to Novak now as well, and that is what's going on, obviously, in Hong Kong. This has been going on for four months now, four months. And that is the, the riots that have been going on in Hong Kong they turned into riots. They were very, very peaceful de- demonstrations for a number of months, and now they've become more and more violent. And the reason is very simple. And I, and I don't want to make the arguments for both sides right now, not only for time constraints, but just because you're hearing plenty of the arguments out there if you do even a little bit of research and watch a little bit of the television news. But the reason why the protesters are getting a little bit more violent is it's very, very clear. Beijing is not going to make any changes. It's not going to make any more moves towards more freedom for the people of Hong Kong or anybody, even on the Chinese mainland, of course, based on demonstrations alone. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to make any changes. They're not interested in freedom for their people. And it's frustrating, and that is causing some violence. And because it isn't widespread violence against innocent people, to me, this is still within the acceptable level of what's going on right now. But, what, but I, another thing that really needs to be ma- made clear is that the Hong Kong protesters are not looking to separate and create their own country. This is this false argument that we're hearing all over the place in the last few months, but especially in the last few days. And it is a false, phony argument that we're hearing from people who are basically supporting Beijing. And they're saying, well, the Chinese people feel very strongly that there should be one China. Okay, one China. How about one free China? The Hong Kong protesters aren't that interested in a separate Hong Kong. Listen, if that's all they can get, so they can get more freedoms, then sure, they'd be happy with a separate Hong Kong, but folks, wake up. They want freedom for all the Chinese people, including the Chinese people on the mainland, and stop trying to pretend that that's not what they're looking for. It is just so dishonest. And the new owner of the Brooklyn Nets has a Facebook post out today, which is disgusting. As he pushes back on the general manager, Donald Morey, of the Houston Rockets, who who, who tweeted... Over the weekend, support for the Hong Kong protesters, the NBA and the Chinese government, and because the NBA does so much business in China right now, and, and by the way, basketball is the number one sport in China, and the Houston Rockets, because they were the first team to make a star out of a Chinese national in Yao Ming, if you remember, about 20 years ago when he entered the league. The Houston Rockets are the most popular team in China because of that. So when the general manager of the Houston Rockets tweets out some support for the Chinese pro- for the ch- pro- protesters in Hong Kong, that's a big story. And I was very excited to see that. Good for him, I thought. But of course, now he's been forced to apologize. The Chinese consulate and the NBA definitely put pressure on him. And now Joe Tsai, the new owner of the Brooklyn Nets. So this, this hits close to home for me. This is a New York guy now coming out and saying, attacking Donald Morey and then making this, his entire post is really about this false argument that I just described. This phony argument that, oh, you know, how dare you say anything in, in, in support of the Hong Kong protesters? Don't you know, you misinformed jerk? Don't you know that the Chinese people want to be one people? That, China wants, that, that all Chinese people want sovereignty for China all over the, the, the Chinese, uh, all the Chinese territories, whether it's Chinese mainland, whether it's the, uh, Hong Kong, whether it's Taiwan, all that kind of stuff. Joe, that's not what the Hong Kong protesters are, are, are standing in the way of, Joe. And you know that. You know that. The, the Hong Kong protesters are hoping to spark a pro-freedom movement, a pro-democracy movement that spreads across all of China. That's right, they want one China too, one free China. And so for Joe Tsai to make it that, about that, to pretend that it's about Hong Kong people trying to separate Chinese people and, and, and show allegiances to other countries and have more foreign influence in the country, is just, just horrifically dis, dis, dishonest and disrespectful to the people of Hong Kong who want freedom for all Chinese people. So look very closely at that story, and I urge all of you, urge all of you to make sure you're, you're paying attention to the realities there. And if you want to follow somebody on Twitter who really understands the situation very well, follow Gordon Chang, C-H-A-N-G, Gordon Chang, daily and, and sometimes even hourly will update you on what the real issues are in Hong Kong. I know him personally. I've known him for a long time. He is an honest person who sticks to, who's been stinking, sticking to his principles about freedom, wanting freedom for the Chinese people for a long time, at a great personal and financial cost to him, by the way, to himself. So this is someone who I truly trust on that issue. I wanted to make that clear. Finally, there's another protest movement that you probably have not even heard about, even though it's really making major news in the Middle East, and I want to finish this edition of Novak Now talking about it. There's also a massive protest movement going on right now in Iraq. And unlike Hong Kong, where sadly there have been a couple of people who have been attacked by the police and there's been one person was shot, thankfully not killed, there have been dozens and dozens of people just since the beginning of last week who have been killed in Iraq by troops and police, by Iraqi government troops and police who have been shooting at the protesters. Now, the Iraq situation, unlike the Hong Kong situation, is an instance, is an instance, an instance, sorry, is an instance of a foreign country getting very, very involved and in instigating a lot of this. And of course, I'm sure you can guess which country I'm talking about. I'm talking about Iran. Now, I, you've heard me talk about this on, Nahum, on, uh, on, this, on the Nahum Siegel Network you know, here on the Novak Now program. You've heard me talk about this issue many times. That's the issue of Bob Levinson, the American Jewish FBI and, and CIA contractor who has been held hostage for longer than any other American ever in the history of this country inside Iran. And you've heard me tell you that I have a number of sources both in, both in Iran and, 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 and who've worked in Iraq and also in the United States who have been keeping me informed on this issue. Those same inf- sources who I, I've known for a very long, long time uh, inform me that this issue now going on in Iraq is actually really, really scary because Iran is actually puppet mastering this entire thing from both sides. My sources tell me that it is Iran that has instigated these violent protests— all over the country, and it is also Iran that has instigated the shooting of the protesters. And it's all being done, all being done so that Iran can show, can, put, can basically push a collapse of whatever control the Iraqi government still has over the country so they can take even more control of it. So the Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps, the number one terrorist instigators in the world, can get even more control of Iraq. So watch that story very carefully because Iran, based on the sources that I trust, are not only instigating all these riots, but they're also instigating, they're also encouraging the government and providing the supplies to the government to shoot and kill the protesters. It's just a complete butchery situation over there, and it's because of Iran. I hope that we have better news in the coming year, my friends. This is Jake Novak. This has been the Novak Now program on the Nachumstiegel Network. I hope to speak to you again soon.